Welcome to Nacho Fitness Coach. This is Nacho Ordinary Fitness Podcast. I'm Sarah, and I'm Nacho Typical Fitness Expert. And I'm Kaylee, and I'm Nacho Average Fitness Beginner. We're here to spice up your fitness journey with some humor, a little knowledge, and a couple glasses of wine. We're here to prove that getting fit doesn't have to suck. So whether you're a seasoned athlete or a couch potato, we've got some tips, tricks, and unconventional advice for you. Let's redefine fitness together and learn to balance fitness and fun. So Kaylee, I'm very excited about the guests we have with us. Tell me. Today. Tell me everything. <laughs> We've got a lot to learn. Well, you maybe have a lot to learn. Well, hey, now I've learned a lot. You have learned a lot. There's more to learn. There's a journey. It's all part of the journey, right? So this episode, we have with us Coach Jason Curtis, and he comes to us from the UK. Across the pond. Across the pond. Yes. So it's very exciting um, to kind of have an opportunity to talk with someone another part of the world is doing a lot of the same things, but is going to bring in kind of a unique perspective to what he's doing, how he's working with clients, all the work he's done. So his background, which coach Curtis, you always just say hello really quick before I go into your intro. Hey, how are we doing? There we go. We're good. Okay, good. Um, so he is an ex army physical training instructor who has written, published 20 books in strength and conditioning he owns a strength and conditioning gym in the UK and is launching a big race. It was the Deadly Dozen. Is that what you said the name of it was? Um, yeah, that's right. That has an entire system of training, which sounds very intriguing to me because I love having a goal like that. I think it's a good way to kind of get in some structure and move the meter a little bit. Um, he also on the professional side has an academy for fitness professionals that are looking to take kind of their level of expertise to a, a new level. But today... We're going to talk about all the work he's doing to kind of educate people on how you can improve, net, level up your own fitness journey. Mm -hmm. So does that sound good? Did I nail it? Sounds good to me. Yeah, nailed it. <laughs> I you nailed it. Well, you even read it. I did. <laughs> I was like, okay, I didn't even like mess that up too much. So, but I mean, now I'm obviously going to turn it over to you. So, you know, share with us a little bit about how you got to where you're at today. Yeah. So basically, um, I, I joined the, I was a, combat sort of uh, into combat sports as a young lad um, and then joined the, the army. So I was always into sport, but I know I wanted to be in a physical role. I knew I wanted to be in the armed forces. So that happened. I quickly became a physical training instructor. So I spent six years in the military training um, infantry soldiers to deploy in operations and also infantry recruits to go to battalion. And from there, I left the military and, and went into what we call, you know, the civilian fitness industry um, with the aim of, opening a gym. So over time that all happened and I managed to open a strength conditioning gym in the UK, enjoyed the coaching. But what I sort of fell into was the, the education side, because I've always leaned towards promoting sort of quite a higher level of physical training from my background in the military and strength and conditioning. I spent a lot of time working with obviously professional soldiers, but also professional athletes. Um, and when I transitioned into the civilian fitness industry, obviously you work with a lot of just normal folk. And, and one of the funny things was in, in the military, we always used to say that, or people used to always say that civvies were lazy, you know, they were useless, you know, so the army were all hardworking and brilliant at what they do and civvies were useless. And I actually found the opposite, you know, so actually I left the army with that thought in my head that I'm going to be training a load of people that are going to be lazy and not want to train. But then I realized that actually they're all paying to train. Oh and yeah. I'm more motivated than a lot of the soldiers that I was training because they were having to train. And, mm -hmm. um, so I always approach physical training, even when working with someone that was essentially a novice or a layman, I like to educate and coach. 
Um, and as we sort of discussed earlier, I'm not an academic, so I left school and joined the army. I never got a degree or anything like that. And I actually see that now, whereas I used to see it as my weakness. I now see it as my biggest strength because I just naturally enjoy writing. I like being an educator on top of being a coach. Um, and because I've not got that high level of sort of academic background, the way I write is very simple. And I think that's the way a lot of coaches portray themselves. You know, everyone sort of sees it, not to be cliche, but it's almost like a lot of people like to promote that I make the complex simple. It's a good, it's a good sell. Yeah. But I think that is where I really have found my niche. You know, my books sell well because they are simple. They are easy reads. My courses take quite complex areas of physical training like plyometrics or Olympic weightlifting or even just advanced forms of strength training. And it makes it really simple. And um, so that's the sort of niche I've fallen into and it's, it's, it's worked so far. Um, but yeah, I don't want to waffle on too much more, but that's, that's essentially where we are right now. Yeah. And I love that. And I feel like this is literally the most perfect timing to have you yeah. on talking to us about this because in recent episodes, we have talked about how Kaylee's kind of at this point in her journey, you know, the last year and a half, two years, she's been kind of plucking away and doing some things, but mm-hmm. now I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but tell us where you're at. I'm, you know, I know you don't like it when I refer to myself as an expert. (laughs) I mean, we're not on the same, we're not on the same level, Um, but maybe, maybe maybe. get there. I mean, you could go through a certification program and there you go. For for me, I just, I just want it to be simple. I want to go down and know what weights I'm lifting, what muscles I'm working, you know, and it doesn't, for me, it doesn't need to be like a big complicated you know, that's what makes me want to give up is when it becomes too much, too complicated, too much. Well, and it's a big, scary thing. Mm-hmm. But now, I mean, a lot more pieces of conversations that are clicking with you yeah. now than they did before. Mm-hmm. You understand general movements, mm-hmm. different muscles that are working. And so you're at a point in your personal journey where now, you know, Coach Curtis, you kind of referenced yeah. having people that have a basic level of knowledge, you know, that internet is a great tool. It gives people an opportunity to already come in somewhat educated into training. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, okay, now you've got all this education. What do you do with it from there? Right. Like, how do you put it to work? So what are some different things coach that you do when you see people that have a general level of training, understanding, you know, how can you help them kind of move the meter to get better? If you will, like, what do you do in your gym or do you have that written in your books? Yeah. So, so like, like we discussed was what you're pointing at there is is people as a whole I found that you know people used to tell me in the military oh they don't need to know this recruits don't need to know this because I used to give them a little bit more education than than the average coach would about why they were doing hill reps or why I was making them do something or and, and what I actually found was civvies like and the folk I was training they did wanted to know a little bit more so yeah you didn't want to baffle them with like this is your vastus medialis and this is this and you know and also almost trying to sound smart, but actually people did want to learn. And, um, and like, like you were mentioning, the, the accessibility of information is there, like on YouTube and stuff like that. You can literally watch seminars from the world's best coaches for free, things that you'd have to travel far and wide for and pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars are now free on YouTube because these people want a good engagement. The problem is, is it's a minefield. So it's, it's like people often say to me, when it comes to your strength training courses that I, I do sell, People will say, well, why would you buy it when you can get it on your, all on YouTube? And I said, well, everything is on Google. You can find everything on Google. What people are paying for 
is an expert to put it all together. Yeah. They're paying for a trusted advisor. Mm-hmm. They're paying for someone to make a compendium. Mm-hmm. So you, if you want to learn how to squat, bench, deadlift, overhead press, Olympic lift, yes, you can search each individual part of that on um, YouTube. Right. But what people pay me for is they, I, I get them to a point where they respect me through my sales funnel or they engage with my page. They go, I like the way this guy teaches. I know he's a trustworthy soul. Yeah. Therefore, I'm going to get my knowledge from him. So that's, that's the hurdle that we've got. We've got no shortage of education because you can get it all for free. What we've got a problem with is like misinformation or not so much misinformation, just who do I really trust and what's yeah. right and wrong. And sometimes it's not about what's right and wrong. It's about the 50 ways to be right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what's right for me? Mm-hmm. And so my, my advice would be is what you've got to do is you've got to go and source your own information and go through YouTube and read books and do all the different things, but also go and seek out a gym that's, you know, credible and listen to coaches that are credible. You've got to do the sort of the lab science and the field science. So you've got to do, you haven't got to, but it's, it's worthwhile watching videos and doing a bit of reading, whichever is your preferred source or both. Um, but also get in the gym and work with coaches because unless you try it, you don't know what works for you. And um, so, yeah, to me, is be not too nervous about just throwing yourself into all of it. And and if something's a little bit wrong, it doesn't really matter. You know, sometimes people are a little bit too harsh when a methodology is maybe a little bit more of a fad or a little bit maybe, or oh, you know what, the science doesn't back this. Well, it's not an issue if it's not going to kill you. Yeah. You know, try it. Does it does it benefit you? You know, give give things a try. I love that. I do too. I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like this is like the perfect fit. Yeah, because that's really, because I I did when I first started, I was searching all over the internet for something. I think it was six months of you coming to me with stuff and you hadn't done anything that was going to work for me. And so then I finally just was like, I'm just going to pick up weights. You know, I still don't know what the heck I'm doing. But you're doing it. But I look better. And you go, right. (laughs) And you feel better. Oh yeah, I'm doing this. Oh yeah. (laughs) And that's part of it too. Well, you know, I did spend some time then on like your website and just learning a little bit about kind of your background and things like that. And I'm probably going to butcher it because I don't have it right in front of me. But one area that stood out to me was, you know, when you're talking about strength and conditioning, I feel like a lot of times people's minds immediately go towards athletes. Like, oh, it's only Mm -hmm. people that are athletes that do strength and conditioning. Like, why would I need to do that? I'm not competing in anything anymore. Like on and on and on. And there was a paragraph that just said, everyone is an athlete or you're at least doing athletic type activities throughout the day. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you have kids, you're picking them up. If Mm -hmm. you're going to the grocery store, you're picking up dog food bags. I mean, you are doing athletic activities Mm -hmm. all day. And I think a switch should flip in most people's minds to be like, I am an athlete. Actually, I am living every day and I'm doing activities that require mm-hmm. squatting and picking up things correctly and things like that. So I, I might've completely butchered it, but I mean, I feel like that's kind of an, a big idea I got from your methodology, yeah, if that, you will. That's, that's the ethos. Yeah. So, so strength and conditioning is defined as the development of competitive athletes. That's how it was defined. And that's, that's essentially the job role. If you go through, you know, in the States, you go through university, then you do your CSCS, your certified strength mm-hmm. conditioning, uh, conditioning specialist, right? So that is essentially how it's defined. But what I noticed was average wasn't average anymore. So the, 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 the average person was training to do a 5K, right? Or they were doing a, a tough mudder or a Spartan race, or they're doing a fitness race, or they were doing, even some of them were doing white collar boxing or, you know, so, so people are doing these things and even the ones that weren't, they're in a gym training like athletes. So 
a personal trainer anyway, you don't have to be a strength and conditioning coach, but a personal trainer should be taking an educated approach towards the development of their clients. However, what strength and conditioning is, due to, the, due to the nature of it stemming from elite level performance, even though it can be hobbyist athletes and professionals, amateurs, is because it's, it's coming from the highest level. That's the way I sort of promoted my brand, which was bringing strength and conditioning into the masses. My, my academy tagline is actually become the expert. So the whole idea is you become that expert. But, but yeah, it was all about bringing more advanced forms of physical training to the general population. Because realistically, you'll actually find when it comes to the highest level of sports performance training, the more you'd be shocked how basic it is because mm-hmm. it's basics done well. Because athletes are doing that much sport that we don't then add like a load of random ass exercises that like looks good on camera but actually is not ideal. They do fundamentals. So they're like squat, push, pull. So like I have programmed day in, day out might be, you know, the two strength sessions that they do a week might be just a back squat, an RDL and a bench press, you know, and then the warm up is just a little bit more performance based. So it might have some sprints or some plyometrics, so jump training. Um, but it's actually really simple. Mm-hmm. And the higher you go, the more simple it is. It's actually people at lower levels that believe in like sort of hyper specificity where everything's specific to the movements that they're going to be doing. So the more novice the one is, the more sort of technical their training looks. And often when you get to the higher levels, you're like, well, actually, this is very simple, but it's about consistency because we know as S&C coaches that where can we provide value? So how can we make someone stronger? Well, it's fundamentals of movement, squatting, pushing, pulling, single leg action. And so what I was just applying was, you know, take that advanced level of thinking and just dull it down to the general population. And we call them, the people that I target most now are hobbyist athletes or what we call we call them professional amateurs. So they're sort of amateur people that, <laughs> like that. that want to train professionally. Uh-huh. Yeah, I like you know, that. They want to train like pro athletes. Yeah. And that, that, that audience is growing. It's growing and growing and growing. And, and, you know, even sort of, old, you know, people that are more health conscious and they want the bone density and all that sort of stuff that's becoming more and more prevalent. And they're wanting to train. They're realizing it's not just, you know, cardio, it's also strength training, but they're also starting to realize now that even doing more explosive forms of training is better for them. Mm-hmm. So it's amazing how many people are training like athletes are doing athletic type training. So that's, that's the sort of ethos I push alongside the sort of making things simple. Simple is never easy. Simple or simple doesn't, <laughs> that was deep. simple doesn't mean, <laughs> simple doesn't equal easy. Yeah. Necessarily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like people, I think will come across a program and they're like, Oh, this is way too simple. Yeah. I need more. Or like, Oh, I'm bored after two weeks. Mm-hmm. I should be changing and doing something different. It's like, no, you yeah. shouldn't. You need to keep things. It's the whole kiss principle, right? Mm-hmm. Keep it simple, stupid. Mm-hmm. And it totally applies mm-hmm. to this because yep. it is just one of those things where it's simple does not equal easy. Right. You know, well, there you go. So just on that deep thought, we'll then take a moment to use this as an opportunity for a quick little ad break. And then we'll be right back. Hey, y'all. Thank you for listening. This is show producer Audio Allen. While the girls are taking a break and I kind of need one too, like, follow, and subscribe. Stick around. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. We had a chance all then to think about the KISS strategy. (laughs) 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 And what other areas in life you can apply it to. So if you have never heard that before, now you know. I've heard it. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. And it's true, even Mm -hmm. in this area. So I think that is, I love hearing another professional talk about that because I kind of feel like 
that's been a reoccurring theme in yeah. what I've said. It always kind of goes back to that. It always goes back to yeah. that. And but you're right. I think when people get started, they make it very overly complicated. Mm-hmm. And if I see one more video of somebody doing a squat on a BOSU ball, I might freak out. <laughs> Do they have those in the yeah. UK? Yeah, yeah, we have them a lot. Yeah, yeah, you see a lot of it. You know, and I'm just like, ah, oh, don't do that. That's not safe. There's no no purpose for that. Oh, in my opinion, okay. I don't know. <laughs> Wait, are you guilty? <laughs> I don't know, Coach Curtis. What's your feeling of the squats on the BOSU ball? Is that a yay or a nay? Yeah, the yeah, and yeah. I've never know, done yeah. it. Oh, I think I did push-ups on one once. Yeah, well, I mean, I and I could maybe like get on board with a little bit because you're doing a little bit of a push exercise. Yeah, just do a squat. Stability. Just do a squat on the floor on the ground. God made, right? Yeah. Yes, <laughs> for squatting, <laughs> for like pushing back up heavy weight. Right, <laughs> would be like a safer movement. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I I love this topic. I think it's really great. I love it. Too. I think the timing of it's perfect mm-hmm. because it's. I think a spot where you're at right now yeah. and the times that you're like, I'm ready for something more. It's like, you can do more, but simple is effective. Yeah. And it needs to be simple and, or I won't do it. Well, that's true too. It doesn't need to be complex. No complex. So what do you have then going on new for you now, coach Curtis? So what I'm up to at the moment is I've, I've designed a, um, a fitness race called the deadly dozen. Um, it's called the Deadly Dozen because it's 12 exercises. The, the, the inspiration for it was actually um, 12 times 400 meters. And that's because um, that's Ooh, how sort of people develop, develop a, a 5K time that's really good, you know. And, and, and people that I get in the gym that have got good 5K times, you know, so a five-kilometer run, tend to be absolute animals. You know, they tend to be really fit across the board. So I had this idea of doing sort of 10 times, 12 times 400. So on a track which is a horrendous workout. And then there's 12 stations in between. We call them labors because it's like, the, you know, the 12 labors of Hercules that um, sort of fits the brand. So you've got like farmer's carry and it's all kettlebells, dumbbells and plates and body weight. So that's why we, we, we sort of branded it as the, the world's, one of the world's hardest yet most accessible fitness race in the world. So you literally in a garage gym in your living room, um, obviously in any gym around the world, they should have kettlebells, dumbbells and weight plates. So it's farmer's carry, deadlift, so dumbbell deadlift, uh, sorry, kettlebell deadlift, dumbbell lunge, dumbbell snatch, burpee broad jump, kettlebell goblet squat, plate front carry, so just kind of plate to the front, a weight plate, dumbbell push press, bear crawl, plate clean and press, plate overhead carry, then dumbbell devil press. So imagine you're doing a 400 meter round a track, and then you're doing 60, well, you're doing 240 meters of farmer's carry. So it, it sounds like a random number. It's all dozen or so, duodecimal. It's all based around 12 which means that everything just works out in even numbers when you sort of divide it by 25%, 50%, 75%. So it makes a really accessible programming system. Um, but yeah, so you're doing a 400 farms carry 400, then you're doing 60 deadlifts, 400 meter run, then you're doing another. So on a track, like an athletics track, you run around the obviously the loop. Yep. Then on the inside is where you do the labor and then you do another run and then you do your labor again. And we have timing maps. So you every athlete's chip. So you get a time for every 400 meters that you do and you get a time for every labor that you do. And then at the end you get your medal and, and that's a deadly dozen basically. So one, it's a fitness race. that's absolutely horrific. And two, I've just published a manual on it, which, which discusses the entire training methodology around, you know, doing this is what we call in, in America, you actually call it like hybrid racing and, and hybrid fitness. Mm-hmm. We tend to call it fitness racing. And um, we tend to see hybrid as like people that do heavy deadlifts and then can also run a marathon. 
you know, so they can do yeah. like long endurance and then they can also do like mm-hmm. really heavy strength. What I call fitness racing is I actually coined the term conventional fitness racing. So CrossFit is a form of fitness racing, mm-hmm. but it's high technicality. So there's a high barrier to entry. You've got to be able to Olympic lift. So there's, there's a big emphasis on Olympic weightlifting. And this is nothing wrong with CrossFit. This is just an aspect of it that for some people, they like that aspect. So it's Olympic weightlifting and a lot of gymnastic movements. So it's high complexity. Obstacle course racing, like Spartan races, a form of fitness racing, but it's high technicality. It's obstacles. And also a lot of them are really muddy and going in and out of water and getting electrocuted. Yeah, not my cup of tea anyway. <laughs> I don't like the um, water. I've done one and I was like, I'm done. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, not for me. So conventional fitness racing is, is essentially all simple exercises. So like kettlebell deadlift, rowing, running, um, ski erg, bike erg, air bikes, um, you know, burpees, stuff like that. So something that anyone could enter, there's no technical barrier to entry and also nothing's overly heavy. So for example, nothing's above like 20% of what might be someone's one rep mat back squat. You know, so it's a goblet squat, a kettlebell goblet squat. Mm-hmm. So the, the barrier to entry is very low other than the fact that you have to be very fit. And to me, this is good. that style of fitness racing, like High Rocks, which is the biggest one in the world, I think it's going to end up being the fastest growing sport in the world. Because I think everyone, gym participation is going through the roof. Everyone's starting to train. Mm-hmm. And what fitness racing does is make everything in a gym specific. Mm-hmm. So I'm not lunging or building leg strength to be a better runner. I'm lunging to be better at lunging. Yeah. I'm doing burpees to be better at burpees. Right. I'm running to be better at the running component. And everyone ideally needs a goal in a gym. And what better goal than a fitness race where you're doing the activities that you're doing in the gym. And this is why you're seeing races like high rocks that are just skyrocketing. So I think it'll be the fastest growing sport. Whether my race is successful, I don't know. But I do think fitness racing as a whole, this style of fitness racing, will be the fastest growing sport in the world. Hmm. It'll be one of the biggest sports in the world. It might not be what you're watching on TV all the time. It's yeah. Like, you know, it's not that exciting watching compared to, say, NFL or, or, or MMA. But participation-wise, it's going to be huge because the, the society is transfer, you know, transitioning into the gym. And, and I call it the lifelong sport. Because we all know we're meant to be doing cardiovascular work and we're meant to be doing resistance training our entire life. And that's all fitness racing is. It's a combination of the two. Well, I love that it's a goal. Mm-hmm. I mean, it does it does help having, especially like a race that has a specific date. Yeah. You know, you're working towards something. There's mm-hmm. always, you know, like a purpose or you have a reason that you're wanting to not just skip the gym that day yeah. because, you know, the race is in like three weeks and, you know, you're following that That plan. helps a lot. It's a huge I think we just driver. found our next challenge. That's what I was just thinking. <laughs> I was like, oh man, we're going to do the deadly dozen. But it was funny is once you said it is 12 laps of 400 meters, I looked at her and I was like, oh, that sucks. Because if I go back to middle school track practices, we did only 300s. And that was like the beginning of our practice was, yeah. you know, 12 300s. And so you'd run the 300 and then you'd walk that last straight and then you would have to go again. It was horrible. And I'm like, oh my gosh, 12 400s sounds even more miserable, but then you're throwing in the exercise. Is that a 5k? Pretty much. I mean, that's yeah. three miles. Yeah. Okay. Not quite. I mean, a 5k is 3.1. 4.8k. So it's close enough. Okay. It's close enough. So yeah, it'd be three miles that you're running, but you're breaking it up then with one of those labors. You yeah. called them a labor, right? Labors, In between. Yeah. yeah. And I love those exercises that you named all except for the burpees. That yes. one I could probably cut out. <laughs> yeah. We don't do burpees. I'm not- <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, but I'm like, oh, farmers carry. That's great. And we're canceling burpees squat. in 2024. Like, just, <laughs> that's our new campaign. Year. Yeah, that's, 
the idea behind the exercises is that it, it, it works for fundamental movements. So it works every movement. So like, you know, you hinge, yeah. you squat, mm-hmm. you lunge, you push, you pull, um, even like sort of crawl and stuff like that. Um, so it's working all them fundamentals. So that's why it's a sort of a, it's a complete training program. So if you were to do nothing but deadly dozen training, you'd work every muscle group, every movement pattern. Um, and you'd be working both, you know, cardiovascular fitness plus strength, muscular endurance. Um, so that was the ideology behind it is that it, it it's a well-rounded training program. What we call like the triad where you have strength training, sort of muscular endurance, sort of circuit training. Then like we call it journey fitness, but that's like running, rowing, anything that's sort of cardiovascular. Um, and it's also designed that it helps you sort of improve to any other sort of fitness race. So this race is just like 400 meter dash and then resistance exercise, 400 meter mm-hmm. dash resistance exercise. So it just builds monstrous muscular endurance and aerobic power. So aerobic power is how fast you can go while yeah. may, primarily being aerobic. What's so a time that like you would set. expect somebody to finish this? So I do it in 40 minutes, but most okay. people are around an hour. Okay. So, so it takes about an hour. Some people are going to be like 90 minutes, like the disparity. So so I do a high rocks. If anyone has listened knows a high rocks. So I can do like, I did a pro high rocks sim today in like just under an hour. And I do the deadly dozen in 40 minutes. People who have done both as in like simulations tend to say that the deadly dozen is a little harder because you run the 400s hard and then you're straight on resistance. So, but it, it's, it's relative. It's, it's, you know, um, high rocks involves 1K runs, and it's all about how hard you work, basically. But yeah, you, you're looking at an hour okay. to, of, of hard work, of yeah. being at threshold, basically, you know, uncomfortable stuff, which is which is good. I that yeah. was another thing that surprised me, you know, the military said everyone's lazy and useless, but I actually found once you sort of break that fresh, once you break that seal of like working hard, yeah. it's addictive. And even people mm-hmm. that you don't expect are actually like really good at it. And, and, yep. and normally I actually find that it's, it's, it's like, for example, women in their like fifties and sixties compared to say a twenty year old lad, like they wipe the floor with them on circuit. Yeah. Because it's it's you develop that capacity for like endurance and discomfort. Mm-hmm. And actually once you once you sort of get into that, it, it's amazing. I, I, I would never sort of know whether someone that I see on the street has the capacity for extended discomfort. You know, you just don't know because I have right. people in my gym that you'd look at and think yeah, and then they're an absolute animal. Right, yeah. <laughs> so so I, that's, that's another area. I never, I never sort of look at someone and go, oh, they're not going to be interested in this because you never know. Yeah, you can never underestimate somebody no. because you're right. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Somebody can decide they're going to do it mm-hmm. and they make it happen. So, I mean, I, I love this idea. I do think we maybe have a challenge idea maybe. on our hands. The only thing that stands out to me is somewhat funny just for me personally is you say it's a 400 meter dash and I'm like <laughs> I don't think that would be a dash for me I think my pace for a 400 meter lap around the track would probably be like yeah especially by that last one I might be walking <laughs> like probably not even take me to the last one I'd probably get through like three or four and be like this is moved from a jog to like a, a speed walk yeah. I'm Something. like done <laughs> but oh yeah it, it's it's grim it really is. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's, it's like I say, it's what we found at the gym. We've got like uh, endurance athletes. We've got strength athletes. We've got all these different people and, and general folks. So we've got, I keep saying athletes, but we've got like 70% of the gym is just general folk. And like 
it's 50-50 split between men and women and most of them are middle-aged or older, mm-hmm. you know, because they're, they're, they actually are often the demographic that are, um, you know, more into hard training. You know, yeah. as you get, you get past your, you know, in your 20s to 30s, you rely on like just being young and fit and you sort of just want aesthetics and you get over 30 and you, you start thinking about health again, yep. especially over 40, you start thinking more about health, especially if you have kids. But yeah, the um, difficult, but uh, it's amazing how, how fit you get. So what I was saying was these individuals in the gym that are fit, some of them, some of them aren't, some of them are really fit, that what we found is the fitness has, has really spiked more so. And it was the training methodology that I sort of developed, which was essentially it's circuit training, but I, I called it labor fitness because I was trying to be, I don't know, be different with it. <laughs> um, it's circuit training. The, um, but it's circuit training with the principle of you work for two to four minutes on each station because I found that that was the sort of, how long you're working on stations during fitness racing. So what we did is you do contrasting stations where it goes from like a cardio-based one, so it might be a ski, a bike, a run, a row, or it might be like, you know, burpee, broad jumps or something like that. Then you're into like a goblet squat, like resistance exercise, and then you're working between different muscles. So it might go from a goblet squat into a press-up, you know, from a press-up into a ski, from the ski into a dumbbell push press, into a run, right? So you're sort of contrasting the different areas of the body and the different Mm -hmm. systems, but you're always working for like two to four minutes is the Goldilocks zone. And, and most people, when they do circuit training, it's like 20 seconds to bar. It's 30 seconds, it's 40 seconds, it's a minute. And and I have honestly seen people just go through the roof fitness. So initially people are just, even on a normal circuit, if I make people do a minute rounds, like, oh, a minute. Whereas anyone that does my fitness racing and my labor fitness style of circuit training, um, and it takes some getting used to, but once you are used to it, it turns it, it turns you into an absolute beast because you get used to being on like the battle ropes for like three minutes. So let's say all the rounds are three minutes. Then you're doing like three minutes press ups. Then you're running for three minutes. Then you're rowing for three minutes. And your work capacity just goes through the roof. You get used to being at like sub threshold. So you're not redlining. You're not producing all these fatiguing waste products that's going to slow you down too much. But you are working hard for a prolonged period. So this circuit training lasts for you know it can be 30 minutes up to an hour and a half generally we do like 45 to 60 minutes but it's non-stop so you don't stop so you set the clock at like 40 minutes and you do four minute rounds and you just go Uh, and then when the clock stops that's you're done and the the fitness improvement across all the athletes every one of them has said my my work capacity has just gone through the roof in every way i'm a better runner i'm a better swimmer and the idea of doing hard workouts or, or doing other activities are just don't phase me at all because they're, they're working for longer periods on contrasting stations. So that's the methodology that I've come up with. And um, it's not always relative to good for other athletes because it's going to induce a lot of fatigue. We're fitness racers. So we, that is our sport getting good at that. Yeah. Obviously if I take an MMA fighter that's trying to strip weight and is fighting all the time and I'm like, Oh yeah. And by the way, you're going to do 60 minutes of four minute rounds. Yeah. I might kill the guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But if you incorporate a bit of that training, you know, anyone listening, try like a circuit, but you're doing like four minute rounds per station and you can break, you can put the dumbbells down and then you do a set of 10, yeah. put the dumbbells down, do a set. We try to get as much done in that four minutes. And it, 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 it that's it, it brutal. I mean, that's a lot. You don't think a couple minutes sound like a long time, yeah. but if you do say even like, you know, heavy 10 squats, I mean, mm. that can take you probably 40 seconds ish to do 40 to 60 seconds mm. to do like a solid 10, like heavyweight mm-hmm. kind of squats. You do it four minutes. I mean, there's Tabata style training. That's four minutes, mm. but they do, um, it's 40 seconds on and 20 seconds rest. And you do 
then four rounds. Does that sound right? No, that's not right. Is it 20 yeah, and 10? 20, 20. It's been a long time it's since I've done Tabata. It's 20 to yeah, 10, so right? And then there's eight rounds. That's right. There's eight yeah. rounds, 20 to 10. But those even, I mean, and that builds in rest, which yeah. you're not even doing with this. So, no. I mean, that that training will get you too, especially yeah. when you're not used to it. But if you cycle that in or kind of work it in and kind of give yourself some variety, it is kind of nice to just have a plan. And sometimes mm-hmm. you just want to have a loop to just be able to tune out a little bit, set a timer, mm. know your stations and just move through it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, people, people, especially within the SMC field, which is dealing with athletes, circuit training came a bit uncool. But actually what you find is what I've noticed from my gym has two classes. I have strength classes where we do barbell training, free weight training. We take you through squats, deadlifts, weightlifting, whatever you want to do. And then the other class is conditioning. And it's just very circuit training, high intensity interval work, whatever the coach wants to do. And, and that's the backbone of the gym, really, that brings in the general population, you know, because it's hard physical training. It gets you hot and sweaty, works hard, gets you fit. Everyone loves it. But over the last eight years, whereas my role within SNC, and I understand it because circuit training can be less quantifiable and it can be too much for athletes that have a busy training schedule. So it's like stimulate, not annihilate. An athlete might come in for an hour, right? Let's, let's do what really matters. Let's do some jumping. Let's do some sprinting. Let's do some, you know, let's lift heavy weights. That's going to get that adaptation. You know, we're going to develop strength in the legs. That's what's key. This is a rugby player or, a, you know, a gridiron football player. And, um, but, as a whole, it was sort of seen as, oh, not really, it, this is very simple, you know, like all the sort of circuit training sessions were seen as a simple gym class. But actually, when applied properly, I realized over the last sort of decade, watching the people in my gym do, who do the circuit training, they're never injured. They never felt like, oh, my back's done in or this is done in. I'm getting like middle-aged, we're talking people from like, say, 40 to 60, right? Average folk of all different shapes and sizes. And I'm watching them doing like minute to two minute rounds of like non-stop burpees pushing the sled and then I say to them oh how are you feeling Susan or Barry and they're like yeah I'm fine next day no doms no delayed onset muscle soreness because they were just developing incredible work capacity conditioning so I'm like a lot of people not necessarily hate on it but see it as like a very simple form of training and I'm like well actually like all these general folk in my gym that do my conditioning day in day out they're all crazy fit mm-hmm. right so so I just thought, you know, I'm going to mechanize circuit training more because I was into the whole Olympic weightlifting strength training. I still am, but now I'm a massive advocate for laying out 10 to 12 stations, right? Two minutes per round, varied stations. So from like cardio focus to sort of resistance training focus and work through it. And one of the biggest benefits is one of the problems with strength training energy is like it's so easy now to just scroll and take these massive rest periods and not get that much done. Whereas if you set a circuit where you just set the timer on your phone or, or on the clock and you go, right, it's, it's two minute rounds and these are the, the 10 stations and I'm going to go twice round. Like there's no getting out of that. Like if you stop, you've given up. Yeah. Right. Well, um, you, you do see that a lot. The, mm-hmm. I mean, you pick up the phone and all of a sudden it's the time stop yep. and you're like, wait, eight minutes later, <laughs> holy smokes, what was I doing? I mean, and then yep. you've like completely broken all of wherever mm-hmm. you were at and you got like almost, it feels like you're starting over, but yeah. it definitely isn't real part thing. two. <laughs> so I love that because you're like, just put your phone down, do yeah. a circuit and then get it, get it out of the way. And yeah. Then go scroll when you're done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of circuits. I think, I think, uh, like I say, I think they're, uh, they're seen as this basic thing that happens in like, simple gyms and I actually think you know it's a it's one of the best forms of training and you know I've, I've had a few injuries in my time as a whole not not many I've been quite lucky really but I never I've never felt better than when I finish a circuit 
You know, you, you, you've worked heavy muscle in your body, you've worked resistance training, you've also worked, um, you also worked, you know, you know, the strength training, the cardio. And, but people, you, you don't get many sort of really high level coaches that go, I love circuit training. And like I do, I think, it, I think he's brilliant. And I think when you combine like all these, this top notch kit that you're seeing in gyms now, you know, like ski oaks and bike oaks and row oaks, you know, from Concept 2 and you've got air bikes, you add them into your circuit with sleds and you've got sled pull and stuff like that and wall ball. It's like just fantastic training. And although like, you know, it's stuff that we used to do in the military that then they went more down the strength route. And I, I understand that because when you lift heavy loads, it's all about um, overload. There has to be sufficient load to induce there's sufficient stress to induce adaptation. So all the focus is on lifting heavier, lifting heavier. Um, but I actually find that in terms of like functional ability, muscular endurance is, is a lot of the time, yes, you need that base of strength. So I, I still do like the heavier loads, but muscular endurance and then ramping up how heavy you can go with that muscular endurance, I've actually found is far more functional. Um, and even to most athletes, yeah, you want to build a base of strength, and going he- the heavier you lift, the more of a strength adaptation it'll incur. You know, lifting above 90% of your warrant max will elicit more strength development, um, but injury risk is higher. But I think actually I get far more benefit from lifting heavy loads for much higher reps within a circuit for me personally mm-hmm. and for a lot of the people that I train now. I love because all of those different modalities, basically, for the different labor, we all have at our gym. We have yeah. it at the gym. So it's like you just work it in and create a little mm-hmm. circuit. And I love the idea. I love the concept. And I love the idea of turning it into a race. Yeah. And having it yeah, more available fun. for the yeah, Absolutely. Because it's a goal. It's something you can work towards. Mm-hmm. You've got the training plan already figured out for it. So how can people mm-hmm. find you, Coach? So my my Instagram is, is Coach Jason Curtis. And um, you won't see many pictures of me, really. It's just, uh, which is probably a good thing. The, um, <laughs> the, uh, it's, it's what I, what I, what, how I grew the Instagram, which, you know, it's got, you know, over a hundred thousand followers now. And that was, that was just because what I did was I, um, I create free eBooks like PDS and I just, I, I realized, you know, I'm not that good in front of a camera. I'm not that good looking. I'm not going to sell that well, <laughs> like me, me in front of the camera. So I was like, people are producing really good content. So what I do is I write, so I'll like go write 10 exercises. 10 squatting exercises, you know, back squat, front squat, virtual squat, overhead squat. And then I'd write about them in a, in a PDF and, and I'd just screenshot it and, and share it on Instagram. But the first one I did was a, was a 12 week program and I just screenshotted it and said, follow and comment below for a free copy of this PDF. And I thought, um, I was going to get like, you know, one or two, cause you usually do. You think you give a free program where people think, oh yeah, you'll get loads of people that want it. Like no one does cause you're like a drop in the ocean. Um, but I've got like 400 comments. So I was like, oh, that's a fluke. <laughs> so I another one. And, it, and it did it again and then I did like some anatomy ones and they went huge in like India and Pakistan and one of the posts got like 150,000 likes because it was like a, a download this free anatomy PDF and because I write anatomy simply you know all yeah, these right. like uh, medical students it was and stuff sure. it wasn't really relevant for my academy really it didn't convert to many sales and um, so what I do is is I, I'm going a long way around this but I produce PDFs and, and then I put them onto the Instagram. If you comment on the post, I've got it all automated in a legal way with Instagram. So I'm not like using a bot or anything that's not allowed. And if you comment on any of the posts on my Instagram, you'll get sent the Dropbox link to the download. And there's literally over, there's over 300 PDFs now. And some of the PDFs, all PDFs are a minimum of like 10 pages. And some are as much as 300 pages. 
So, so wow. it's quite a good resource. Yeah, it's quite a good resource. It's, it's called Coach Jason Curtis, okay. or Strength Conditioning Course is its original name. And uh, yeah, you can get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of PDFs for free um, and like muscle manuals and stuff like that. And then my website for the fitness race, if everyone wants to check it out, it's just deadlydozen.co.uk. And, and like I say, there's a lot of good um, resources there. And also um, the race is accessible everywhere in the world. Like if people want to do simulations of it. It's all you need is kettlebells, dumbbells and weight plates. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you want to find me and all my other links, it's, it's Jason Curtis. So coach Jason Curtis. Awesome. Well, we'll put the links in the yeah. description too for the episode. And so um, I think this topic is awesome. So I I've, I've loved having you on. This was really great to have a chance to talk to you a little bit more about what you're doing, what you're up to. I feel like I got validated a lot on some of my personal yeah. methodologies. So I love being on the same wing, wave wink as wave wink, whatever. What is that called? <laughs> wave wavelength. Wavelength as other people. Cause then, you know, I mean, especially as a professional, sometimes you're like, Cause there's so many different methods, yeah. You know, and it's great sometimes to just come across somebody that you're like, yeah. see, simple movements. Oh, you are all starry eyed over there. Yeah, That's adorable. it's awesome. I love it. <laughs> talk about it more. So <laughs> awesome. Well, I loved having you on. It was really great to talk more about what you're up to and what you're doing. And I think it's a perfect, perfect opportunity yeah. to infuse into Kaylee's journey. So we're definitely gonna check it out. So check out the Daily Dozen. There's the website. We'll put all the links on the show notes. In the show notes. Yeah, I appreciate that. So. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. It was great to have you on and maybe we'll have to have a follow-up episode with you someday. Yeah, no worries. Awesome. Yeah, sounds good. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, that's all we got for today. So until next time. Bye. Thanks for listening. Be sure to head over to our Instagram at Nacho Fitness Coach and let us know how you feel about the topic. Do you love it or hate it? Also, don't forget to hit that subscribe or follow button wherever you're listening. And if you like our podcast, leave us a rating. See you next time. You've been listening to Euphony Innovatives Sonified.